Hey, sweetheart. Have you seen the bagels? I could have sworn I bought some this week, but... Oh, hey, there's a couple. What lays before us, Christy, are the two remaining bagels in all of creation. One, an Asiago. Bold, cheesy, rich. And the other, an everything. Classic and perfectly spiced. Wait, what? What? But I... I bought blueberry. They have been destroyed, Christy. Dashed together in mutual annihilation as the bagel incursions reach their fever pitch. Wait, so you're telling me there's there's no more bagels anywhere? None remain, only remnants. No blueberry? Nary a one. Cinnamon crunch. They were the first to fall. Not even chocolate chip raisin. Absolutely not. Only these remain. But I can save them, Christy. We won't have to let them annihilate each other if we can meld them together. I have seen into the beyond, fought the bagel yonders. I can bring all bagels together to form the Battle Bagel. Oh, yuck. That wouldn't be very good. Um, Every kind of bagel, savory and sweet, C- Chris, no. It is the only way. It is not the only way. I bring hope. Charlie! I'm still not really sure what madness is happening this time, but hopefully I can just get my blueberry bagel and maybe have a nice snack. Chris, you can't simply smash everything together to create the perfect bagel. That's not truly creative. It's it's kind of destruction. I've brought what we need. Instruments of Genesis. Why is everyone talking so weird? Cream cheese, of course! The great equalizer! A condiment for all bagels! And behold, a stand mixer! The instrument of rebirth! A mother for all bagels! I need to behold a snack soon, darn it. Charlie, through these instruments we can create all bagels anew, flinging them out into creation! A multiverse teeming with doughy goodness! Don't you dare fling bagels away from me! I am very hungry. And then, once we have bagels, it shall be time. To talk about comics. And eat bagels. Yes. Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's on Infinite Earths. The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Welcome, readers, to our finale episode of Secret Wars. And as you heard in our cold open, we have a fabulous guest joining us here today. Writer, podcaster, it is our friend and yours, Charlie Davis. How's it going, Charlie? It's going good, Chris's. Thank you for having me. I've uh, bestowed um, not only bagels upon everyone, I wish. Um, it is night, but I wish there were bagels. But also this wonderful crossover for both of you to enjoy. <laughs> That's true. Charlie picked this uh, as our as our patron. He did. Um, Charlie, you talking about bestowing bagels on everyone makes me think that as part of this recent bill, this is going to date this podcast, we all should have gotten bagel stimuluses. We should have. I mean... <laughs> Uh, $1,400 can probably buy some bagels, like a great <laughs> amount of bagels. I was going to say, currency is used to purchase things like bagels. Are you saying that we got something to purchase goods and services? <laughs> we I may mean, have. <laughs> I, uh, we could have just gotten also, like, you know, he could have he bought us all, like, uh, like, a 12-pack of cinnamon crunch bagel from Panera. I wouldn't have also, I would, in addition to, 
not just thinking in place of in addition to the $1,400, I feel like we're all owed that, literally. So It's mm-hmm. true. You know what else? Panera does with its, its no, bagels. No, no, no. We're not talking about <laughs> about your bagel sins, Christy. Bread sliced bagels. No, baby. absolutely. We're losing all the, our patrons. The St. Louis way. Ugh. Is that where you slice it like the I don't wrong know. way? Okay, the, the way where there's a bunch of little tiny slices of bagel. It, it, it's it's sliced at vertically. Nope. Through the bread slicer. <laughs> you know, it originated when St. Louis Bread Company, also known as Panera wanted to offer sample sizes of its delicious bagels. And people enjoyed it so much that they, they demanded that their bagels be served that way. Because Chris, it's good. Christy, we they're not even paying us. We don't have to give them a sponsorship. <laughs> am I sponsoring Panera or am I sponsoring you're, my own foolishness? You're a terrible bagel opinion. <laughs> sample well, sound fine for that situation. Would I want a bagel that way? i try it. <laughs> yes, you would. Yes, you would. It's you so come. frustrating. They're little and they're hard you know, to pick up. In in the in this the, a <laughs> oh, post pandemic world, you go to a conference and there's a huge spread of bagels. Do you want to get one mm. massive bagel, or do you want to sample the flavorings of many bagels <laughs> sliced in the fashion of bread? I want a giant <laughs> bite of bagel, and that can't do it. It can't give me a giant bite of bagel. You know who gave us a giant bite of bagel, though, is one of our new patrons. Uh, let's hear about our new patron. We have a new patron, Chris Glennon. Thank you for supporting Chris's on Infinite Earths. Ah, oh, a Chris supporting the Chris's. We, we love to see it. We won't make you pick a side in the bagel battle. No. You will, however, in six months get to pick a crossover, it looks like. Ooh. We also have a new iTunes review to shout out. Uh, so... Five stars, of course. Oh. We don't talk about anything less than that. Someone once gave us three, but they didn't actually write anything. And we will never speak of that again. That's wild. <laughs> but another another Christopher, or perhaps the same Christopher, it's Christopher LG, writes, Great comic book podcast. Chris's on Infinite Earths is a five-star podcast where the two hosts read and discuss crossover events from DC, Marvel, and X-Men comics. Chris and Christy have a natural chemistry, which is expected since they're married almost 10 years, baby. Did he Did he say almost 10 years? No, baby? that was me. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> and their laughter is infectious. The hosts are knowledgeable enough to talk about writers, artists, and character history without sounding too pretentious. That's because I'm real smart. You never feel like... <laughs> You never feel like they aren't versed in comics, and they never act like they know more than their audience does. Because we don't. (laughs) This is the kind of podcast without all the gobbledygook, jibber-jabber, and the mitzitz-pidlick. I'm using these words because I want them to read them on the show. Good man, Chris. Good job. (laughs) With hilarious cold opens, cool guests, silly villains, and daily doubles, and even the occasional turkey, it's always a treat to listen to. In short, is this one of the best podcasts where they talk about comics? Yes. Oh my gosh, this person really listens to our show. What they a really review. did. My They're goodness. Pushing so those taglines out there. I, wow. Wow. Thank you to Christopher LG, who, yes, might be this, since it's Christopher <laughs> Glennon. We don't know, though. Maybe it's a it's a coincidence. You know, a lot of Chris's are probably drawn to us. just for <laughs> They just search Chris on, like, <laughs> multiverse, on like, iTunes. Multiversal Chris rule. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to be a big one. Are we ready to, to go into our summary? Yeah, let's get into summary. Summary. 
Secret Wars number 6 through 9, written by Jonathan Hickman, penciled and inked by Isad Ribic, colored by Ives Forcina, lettered by Chris Eliopoulos and Clayton Cowles, edited by Tom Bravort, Will Moss, John Moisen, and Alana Smith. Issue 6. Three weeks pass, and the heroes and villains from the life rafts are still at large, except for Corvus Glaive and Proxima Midnight, who have been captured by Valeria, and also except for Black Swan, who returns to Doom as one of his acolytes. She tells them about Strange's scattering spell, but... No one knows their intentions. The Foundation have found that Doom's source of power is somewhere in his keep. And also, they keep finding a bunch of little drone robots, and then we see the source of said robots. A hidden base containing both Reed Richards and the Maker, as they try to figure out how to beat Doom, and what would even happen to the world if they did. The Maker, of course, thinks Reed is an old softy, while Reed tells him that you learn things caring about other people, and that a plan exists regarding what to do about Doom. The Spider-Men sneak into Castle Doom, where they've pinpointed Doom's power source, only to be confronted by Valeria. She tells them about the statue, but doesn't want to enter herself, fearing what she'll find. She says she won't blab on them if they tell her if they killed Strange. No. And if they're from one of the rafts. Yes. The Spider-Men find Owen Reese, the Molecule Man, and luckily Miles has come with a burger, which Owen delightfully demands, telling them he's the source of Doom's power. Doom meets with some of his barons as they detail a rebellious prophet who is raising an army against Doom. Doom demands they take care of this rebel, and we flash to Sinister, who asks Carol Danvers what he should do. Carol kind of beats up on him a bit, which he seems pretty into, before saying they should be naughty, and she readily agrees. Black Panther and Namor travel to Doctor Strange's hidden island where a recording greets them. They venture further inside to find that Doctor Strange has stashed a secret weapon that he had found on Battleworld, an Infinity Gauntlet. Franklin Richards, after a long day, demands a bedtime story from his mom, who tells him the story of the Fantastic Four, where Reed has been replaced by her father. She talks about how when Battleworld began, her father was killed in the chaos, and Doom brought peace and order through his rule. And at the shield, Thanos talks in his cell to a very large thing who is the entire shield wall. Thanos tells him about how Doom lied to him about the very nature of the world, which stirs Ben to action, and he stands up, a giant shattering the wall itself. Issue number seven. On the outskirts of Doom's castle, the prophet reveals himself to be Maximus and his army attacks. In said castle, Doom and his entourage ruminate, with him deciding not to take action directly. Susan reminds him that this is to be expected by those not in power, but Valeria feels this is different. Doom decides to call his Thors. The Prophet's army start to get demolished until Captain Marvel advises Sinister to change sides and attack the demon armies of Madeline Pryor. Sinister is beheaded by Apocalypse's cronies and the floating base of the Thors, Doomguard arrives. However, inside is a civil war of Thors, with Jane Foster convincing a number of them to join her side against God Emperor Doom. They also join the battle, along with the maestro, old future Hulk, and his army of the Hulks, the World Breakers. Back at their secret base, Star-Lord prepares to pilot Reed and the Maker, somewhere, undetected, and Reed radios T'Challa, who has quite the gambit prepared. 
T'Challa, clad in Infinity Gauntlet, blows up a section of the shield and greets the undead beyond, taking command of them to fight for glory and honor. Issue number eight. Reed and the Maker, flown by Star-Lord, approach Doomstad, but are knocked out of the air by a Hulk. Time for a bumpy landing. They land, fortunately, in the deserted throne room of Doomstad, leaving Star-Lord to hang out with his ship. Speaking of hulks, the maestro taunts Dr. Doom from his helicarrier only for a giant Ben Grimm to knock him out of the sky for being in the way. The thing has arrived and Galactus and Franklin Richards prepare to fight him. Joining the battle outside is Thanos and the Annihilation Horde, which finally spurs Doom to action. Ben battles against Galactus until he figures out Franklin is Susan's child. Ben, moved by love for his friend gives up, and Galactus blows him to bits. Susan is horrified by her son's actions, and Valeria asks her mom to come with her. As he tries to fix their ship, Star-Lord is attacked by Black Swan as she feels he's desecrating her god's chambers. He is pretty easily overwhelmed, but pulls out a tiny splinter and stabs it into the World Tree Throne of Doom, destroying the castle by creating a massive Groot. Valeria takes her mom to the entrance to Owen's hidden chamber, and they are greeted by Reed Richards. Thanos confronts Doom, talking a really big game as Doom offers him the barony of the wastes beyond the shield. Thanos calls him a weak god, and Doom rips into Thanos until only bones remain. He then commands Annihilus to fight the rebels at the castle in penance for following Thanos. But then a portal opens, and the dead pour forth, along with an infinity gauntlet-clad Black Panther, who calls out Doom. Issue number nine. Doom, in an attempt to parlay, offers to remake Wakanda and Atlantis, but they refuse an attack, shattering his body only for him to reform. Black Panther and Doom begin to battle in godlike fashion. Susan tells Reed that she thinks he's the one who killed Strange, but Reed replies that... He means to end Doom's charade, because he's the one who fixes things. Reed enters Owen's chamber with the Maker, but the Maker betrays Reed and de-evolves him using a device, decrying him for his weakness of emotion. However, Owen turns the Maker into little bits and restores Reed, telling him that Doom is coming soon and they need to work quickly. Doom defeats T'Challa, but realizes it was all a distraction, and teleports to Susan and Valeria, who no longer believe in him. He sadly enters Owen's chambers, and Reed tells Doom that he came to convince Owen that there was a better way. Doom replies that his actions saved millions, and he tries to unmake Reed. However, Owen Reese has taken away his godlike powers, and Reed and Doom duke it out. They, of course, have some good fight banter, with Doom eventually demanding Reed tell him that he could have done this job better than Doom. Reed retorts that of course he could have, and Doom angrily agrees. Owen pipes up, saying that if everyone agrees, and he unmakes Battleworld as we flash to T'Challa gripping the reality gem and suddenly appearing in Wakanda in a scene from New Avengers number 1, except with no incursions. He meets some of Wakanda's best and brightest youths, and they watch a rocket take off into space. An alpha flight. Flash to eight months later, and Miles is suddenly in Earth-616 due to Owen Reese owing him one for the burger. 
And in the far reaches of reality, the Future Foundation uses that godlike power, along with Franklin Richards' creativity and bits of Owen Reese as anchors, to recreate universes. Reed explains to Susan that the difference between living and dying is managing fear, and that he's letting go of this fear and believing in expansion instead of entropy. And we end on Doom's castle as he removes his mask to reveal a restored face, the story closing as he laughs. Oh my goodness. So the second half, such a battle. It is like, it's real fighty. Like the first half is real, like, kind of like plot. Not to say the second half isn't plot, but it's, the second half is like where it gets real bombastic. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like, that is not an unusual pattern for for an event to have. No, definitely not. No. No, and I think I think what really draws me to this crossover in general is that it has it has the like emotional gravitas that you like that you sometimes just lack in a crossover event. Um mostly, I think, because this whole thing even though there's other characters in it, really works as a, um, like a swan song, like a, a really good finale to this Fantastic Four. Um, and it I does. think it, it's grounded in that one thing. And I think because it like all blossoms off of like the Fantastic Four and like what's going on with Reed and Sue and Doom, I think since it's got that like emotional core, everything else, um, as, as weird and wild as it could possibly be, feels a lot more grounded. I love that point because you're right. At crossover events can sometimes just feel like banging all of the, the toys together, which it definitely was in the original Secret Wars. I mean, it's not not that in this one, but the the original one, it's like, that's every issue. Yeah. is yeah. like somebody doing a fight. Whereas you're, you're absolutely right. We have, we have an emotional character arc that happens throughout this, which sometimes I feel like is, is there within things that we read when we what was it was it um wasn't siege what was the one with thor where are you sure it's not siege oh, siege yeah yeah siege i i feel like there was big stuff that was happening with thor but that wasn't really like the through line for any mm-hmm. of that i feel like so much try, so many crossovers try to do so much and instead hickman said well this is going to be the this is going to be the finale of my fantastic four and we know that they're we know that they're going going to go off into the sunset. So, like, what do we do to get there? It, yeah, it's interesting in in that a lot of we talk about how crossovers are smash a bunch of toys together. There are heroes that are pointedly not in this crossover. Mm-hmm. Captain America not there. Iron Man not there. Let's- Thor like Jane Foster is there. Odin's son. Not there. I would like to note that I think Captain America was a zombie. Are, <laughs> yes. I, yes, you're not wrong. There would probably was. Jamie was a zombie, too. The Jamie Jamie that died very early on. He was the one with the helmet Oh, mm-hmm. toward the end. He was wearing red, white, and blue. So that's why I was like, maybe you were thinking. I mean, was Wolverine Jamie. was also a zombie. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of them. From the very popular Marvel franchise, Marvel Zombies. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, like, it, it, it is interesting, like, who showed up and for how long. It, it most people are ancillary characters to Doctor Doom, mm-hmm. and, and like strange for a while, 
and Reed and a little bit like T'Challa and Namor and Sue. I feel like there was uh, things going on probably out outside of these main issues with T'Challa and uh, Wakanda that I didn't fully grasp. We had like a wrap up sort of series of pages of Wakanda. And I was like, I don't know. This seems like, this seems like a cap on something that I'm not super familiar with. The very beginning after, so after he like uses the reality stone. Yes. That's the very beginning of the new Avengers run that Hickman wrote. But instead of what happens, which is the rocket flying off and him with these like young people Mm -hmm. being like, like this, like look at our future. Mm -hmm. Instead, that's when the first incursion happens. And the students are killed. So he manages to make it so that doesn't happen. So it's supposed to be like a big, like, back to the start sort of deal. Like, Black Swan and some people show up in that first issue. Because they are trying to blow up our Earth, so So their Earth lives. That happens within a tie-in? No, it happens with... This is the... It happens within something that happened years earlier at the beginning of Hickman's new Avengers Which this is... This is a, a culmination of his Avengers run and new Avengers run, which ran... At roughly at the same time, I think New Avengers started slightly later, but they were running monthly together. Okay. Uh, they ended right before this. It is also kind of a culmination of his Fantastic Four, which ended years earlier. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, this feels like a really big, cool moment, and I don't well, it's, understand it's, it. It's supposed to be like a moment of like, <laughs> of like, kind of like rebirth and like, let's like, let's, like he, T'Challa, a lot of like his motivation in New Avengers was the, the death of these like in saving the earth and so if this was a TV show there would have been a previously on yeah probably <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay. no no absolutely and i think it's it's funny because i've been very um tuned into um the way different media tells stories like lately just thinking about things and how you present things to an audience that maybe has a little less familiarity with some back matter like obviously we're talking about comics but there's other things that don't do that which makes it hard sometimes to tell a complete story if you're not showing like the same beats in the work itself so like chris mentioned like everything that happened like throughout what hickman was writing you know how do you get this to land and come across if you don't know what's been happening in the past. And I think mostly it gets it right. But then there are moments, like you mentioned, Christy, where you're like, I think I was supposed to feel something about this. But I'm not sure what that is. <laughs> um, and at least you, at least you kind of get that. Like, at least it shows you something. Like sometimes there's things that's like, oh, and I'm, I'm supposed to care why. Like at least you kind of understood there was some emotionality there instead of being like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty used to being like, well, comics, but I'm like, I, I, I recognize, you know, you recognize a moment for its significance, even if you don't fully understand it. Well, and, mm-hmm. and Hickman is, is not the one for, for new number ones. That is not his style. Like he tend, he seems to want to write stories the way that like people in the eighties wrote stories where they got a long time to do something and they got to have a big emotional payoff. Mm-hmm. Long time um, storytelling, baby. Yeah. Whereas, like, at one point in the middle of his Avengers run, they tried to do a big, like, this is the new number one of a jump-on story. And he literally said in an interview, no, it isn't. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, this doesn't, this will not make as much sense if you haven't read the 30 issues beforehand. That's not how I write stories. (laughs) And, like, 
you know, we, th- this was during the, the, the tenure of editor in chief Axel Alonso, who was very much a like, let's relaunch and do a lot of new number ones to get a lot of new readers. I feel like this, that has kind of gone by the wayside recently, at least in, in Marvel. Well, probably, I mean, in DC too, they do. Okay. We haven't had a relaunch, so to speak, for quite a while. I think and- the last one with a bunch of new number ones was what? Like the legacy? Mm-hmm. Was that the last time? That was the last time, yeah. And yeah. every now and again, Marvel says, we'll stop. Well, we're going to stop. Don't worry, we'll stop. And then they don't ever stop. And then you're like, well... Because in my opinion, the long-term storytelling way of doing things does get that... Sat- you do get that satisfying arc. But I don't think new number ones help either. Like I, I feel like there's a happy medium in between. Um somebody can achieve at some point because if you continually relaunch then what's the point of the story um and for a while what they were what i had seen some creators trying to do um during that like slog before like hox pox started and everything you got creators who were constantly working at marvel who were daisy chaining their minis and stories together, even though they weren't the same book. So, like, you had Matthew Rosenberg taking, like, beats from New Mutants Dead Souls and pulling them into Astonishing X-Men. Like, you were getting these, like, like people who would daisy-chain the new titles together in, like, this, like, fabric of continuity that you're like, oh, no, this is one whole story, but I'm telling it across, like, a bunch of minis. <laughs> right. Like, like you know how Kelly Thompson did, like, Hawkeye and then West Coast Avengers? Yeah, which yeah. Is- Hawkeye mm-hmm. part two. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, I, I feel like we've talked about some of the issues right now with writers having difficulty with long-term storytelling, just not having a really very solid idea of how many issues they're going to get to tell the story that they want to tell, right. which can result in kind of storytelling in chunks, mm-hmm. which maybe is that happy medium, but it doesn't allow for like these big, character growth arcs yeah so that's often called writing for the trade Uh uh-huh and i i cannot stand it (laughs) (laughs) i i just i i just don't like it i guess um because it 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 makes everything see like feel like tv episodes Mm -hmm. and that's to me that like comics should be comics they shouldn't be tv episodes (laughs) yeah i i think there's a lot of media crossover in like how you tell stories i often 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 say uh especially now that Comics and wrestling are the same, because they are. But I think there's a lot of talk, even between both of those mediums, where it's like people, oh, people have no patience for long-term sto- long-term storytelling. Uh-huh. And it's like, or and it's always hard, because I can see that. Like, I absolutely can see it, especially with comics, because you see the reaction, you see the reactionaries, right? Like, you see oh, the people yeah. who are reactionary to the thing that happens, and then, like, it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to read the book anymore. And like, would you just wait a second? Like, wait a second. Like, <laughs> oh, I don't yeah. know what you anticipated was going to happen here. But like, if you continue to read or continue to watch, as it may turn out, maybe this will have a satisfying conclusion. <laughs> Unsure. <laughs> yeah, like you saw some talk of people like, why hasn't Mystique already done a thing yeah. after that mm-hmm. one issue? And I'm like, it'll happen. You need to just enjoy enjoy just go with it enjoy the story a lot's going on just yeah you know pick right? up on a few things yeah so like if, as for like this itself like this like the last half of this this crossover i think 
that this last half had a lot of very cool moments that when I was rereading, I remembered like pulling out of the book while I was reading it. Um, I, thought, I remember a lot of time at the time when we were reading this as it was coming out, um, everybody was talking about how it was like the best crossover they'd read in a really long time. And when we get to the part where like, there's a part in here where um, T'Challa and Namor find uh, the Sanctum Sanctorum mm-hmm. and they, and T'Challa pulls out the infinity gauntlet. I remember that moment very clearly because I thought it was so cool. And like, there's so much, there's so much of that packed into this end of this and it kind of just this crossover in general because I've realized as I read more comics and do weekly stuff um what I really love about comics is those character moments the things you remember after you're done the plot can be whatever in my opinion (laughs) (laughs) but if I have some satisfying character moments like very satisfying I'm gonna remember those like that's what I'm going to remember that's why I like wrestling so much I think because like promos are distilled character moments and I get them every week. Like, and it, like, sustains me for what I need in a narrative. <laughs> I, I love strong characters and those moments that I will remember when I'm done reading. I don't think I've ever cared about Molecule Man until right? <laughs> reading this event. Uh, no, I loved Owen Reese in the first Secret Wars. I love that he got a girlfriend and she was really into him. I thought that was great. <laughs> that was kind of fun, but I, I don't know that I cared about him. Mm-hmm. Do you notice, though, that for this crossover, they I, I don't want to say they made him hot, but the, he did. was like kind of a dumpy dude in the original Secret Wars, and they made him like kind of more like superhero-y. They made him like a, like a hot, eldritch-like uh, liminal space entity. Like, he seemed like a middle manager in the first Secret Wars. You know, you guys say more attractive, but I have a really hard time finding any of any any character in Asad Rivik's art. Like, yeah, you're, you're not, you're not <laughs> a fan. You are not wrong. <laughs> it's, it's weird how it, I, I've kind of soured slightly on Asad, um, except I love his Eternals work. So go figure. I think when he's drawing these like larger than life sort of scenes, that mm-hmm. it's he's really good. But I think some of his like dialogue is, scenes are a little strange because the close up on the face. Oh yeah. If we don't have to look at the close up on the face, I think we're really pretty good. But because I love the silhouettes, I love the painterly lines. I love them. Like everything that evokes like um, Doom sitting on his throne or mm-hmm. anything like that. That's like kind of like got a regality to it. It's very good. But as soon as we're the, talking, no thank the, you. The faces creep me out. Yes. That little, a little uncanny valley for you. Yeah. I think he draws a really cool T'Challa, but also does not show T'Challa's face until like way later. <laughs> right. And I, I, I want to say, I was, I was reading, uh, you, are you from, Chris, I believe Chrissy may not be, but are you familiar with the, um, oh my goodness, it's, it's lost in my brain now. The robot, Teeny Howard wrote about the robot with Billy oh, and Teddy. Death's head. Okay. Yes. Death's head and what Death's head, head looks like. Like the, the facial facial yeah. features, um. Sometimes T'Challa is drawn with the mask, and I swear to God, I'm looking at like it, the way that it's painted. Like it oh. looks like death head because of the way that the mask is. I'm like, yeah, all right. <laughs> I think he draws things that are less human really well. I think his thing looks good. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I think the thing is enough of, the, of not a human being. I mean, I I love the the page that we got that is like this. 
it's a series of all of these squares overlaid of like doom and read. Oh yeah. And they're, they're, it's like a checkerboard almost. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. I think that's a really neat effect. I think like there's some great stuff that's done with the layouts. I just could not look at one of those faces and think, yes, this is attractive. I love this. Yeah. I'd like to have more of that, please. Yeah. No. Um, I, I don't like how Valeria and Sue look so similar. Right. It's an, it, it is another case of like, can a person draw a child? <laughs> yes. Right. Uh, he has the child bodies right. Yes. They're all yes. correct. Zoom in on zoom in on on faces with they've got like the blonde bangs and the and the blonde yeah, hair. Yeah. I'm like sometimes I could tell that it was Valeria, especially like based on dialogue. Mm-hmm. And they just wear like like zero suits. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, they they wear this the future foundation. All the time. Future. Franklin goes to bed in his. <laughs> yep. I think it's an interesting little one like an uh, interesting little detail that it is not called the future foundation it is called the foundation mm-hmm. oh and at the end yeah. of this crossover reed says we are not about entropy we are about like moving on and moving up and I, and i thought that that was cool and that doom doesn't want there to be a future he is very invested in the present like his present his and reed's ending scenes um in the white space uh-huh. is some of the best stuff in this crossover. So good. And I don't, I, I love Dr. Doom. I'm not a big Reed fan, but the bit where Doom is like, just admit. Yeah. Or just admit that you thought you could do this better. And Reed's like, yeah, I could do this better. And Doom's like, you, you all right, you could have done it better. <laughs> the, the, um, the bit of dialogue where Reed says that, Doom is so concerned about controlling everything that he encloses, like, the seed, or, like, in his hand too tightly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really good metaphor. Oh, like, that's really good. just for y- you, you needing to control something so badly that you can't see how you're damaging it. Mm-hmm. And I think they do a good job in this crossover of presenting Doom as definitely somebody who has done bad things and obviously stolen Reed's family, (laughs) but (laughs) that there is something else there. And oftentimes you don't get that. Like with villains, you just like, you know, a villain is hard. It is hard. And I think you have to start at a point where you're not talking about a villain. You're talking about an antagonist first and then go from there. Cause one of the things that Hickman does a lot with doom is just, is, is make him seem so much less of some like mustache twirler and more of like a, this is a man who has a certain agenda and yes. has ways to accomplish it that are that are a lot more controlling and selfish. But his aims are still generally like he, his aims are not like are are not like pure evil in that mm-hmm. they are they are like mega mega megalomaniacal. But like he is such a greater good person. It's just that his greater good is like so like sacrificial mm-hmm. and so like brutal. Mm-hmm. I I love a villain in Shades of Grey. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I like that he even wore kind of like. Yeah, he, he he his he wasn't doing the green and the mm-hmm. and the 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 gray mask. He was doing like a real like kind of whitish gray. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. Yeah, the God Emperor outfit is his choice. It is. It is. So I so you, we read Siege. We didn't summarize it, but we read Siege because people say it's the only important crossover. I mean, I think there's plenty of good crossovers in this that we did not read or, or tie-ins or whatever you mm-hmm. want to call them. But Siege kind of 
like really directly ties into the end game since they like capture Thanos. However, I didn't read Siege as I was as this was coming out. I read a lot of crossovers and I was worried you would be mad at me if I bought too many. <laughs> oh, because th- there were tons. And I was like, I, I could have spent like a hundred dollars a month on like Secret War stuff. And I, I say I worry, I didn't worry like you would be mad at me so much as I'm like, you know how I get like real like I shouldn't buy too many things. Like <laughs> yes. that's what Chris thing is. Yes. I, I cannot buy another thing. Like it, like any quantity above like ten dollars, you're like, I need to consult Christy before I make this purchase. Right, right. <laughs> I didn't read Siege. I didn't either. Right. I was think I was reflecting today on what I did read when this was coming out. And I was thinking about all of the crossovers, was having a conversation with my good friend, Michelle. I was like, what do you, what even was happening? How many books were there? And then I was like, a lot. Um, some of them I didn't even remember happening. I remember reading Inferno. Yeah, I read in, uh, I think I read Inferno later, but I, I do remember Inferno. I remember reading for whatever reason, and I think it was because the art was pretty. I read the Kitty Lord and Star, Kitty Pride and Star Lord mini. The art is pretty on that. The they, they, it takes place in space and Kitty's like a femme fatale. It's pretty good. It, yep. Um, I remember reading Eos for Extinction. Yeah. So basically everything that had like kind of intersected with the X line. Basically. Did you read X-Men 92? I read X-Men 92. Yep, me too. And I read, unfortunately for me and everyone involved, I read <sighs> the Extinction Agenda mini. <laughs> Oh yeah, that one's bad. Woof. Because uh, I, I I was looking for one that had I was looking for one that might have had Richter or Shatterstar in it, uh, and Richter was in that book. And I do not like I will not say mean things about creators, but I'm I'm coming for you, and you know who you are. <laughs> well, my, my my thing about Siege was. I didn't know since I was mostly since I was reading the main title and some some the crossovers I read were very far away. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know that Ben Grimm was the Shield until that moment where he just like you know like pops up. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought he was because I saw the wall and I was like, you see the wall kind of around the time that you find out that Johnny Storm is the son. Right, and I'm like, <sighs> oh, Ben's the wall. Mm-hmm. I love that there's that there's that this world has a creation myth. It is the most like Hickman thing. It is, <laughs> but it's you know what? It is the thing about alternate realities that I love, mm-hmm. which is there is this there is a this myth of creation that involves characters that you know in unbelievably horrible things that you can't comprehend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know, Doom was like. And you can, you can maybe see that it was him giving him purpose, but it was such, it was without, it was without, like, conscience, like, con- like a conscious, like, thought. So it's like, okay, I'll give you purpose. Like, you can be the sun and you can be this wall. And one of my favorite parts in the last half is the conversation. We see it in Siege, because it happens in Siege, but we see it also in the main books. The conversation Thanos has with, with, Ben Grimm uh-huh. is really good. Like, it is. It's it's interesting the differences. Yes, because mm-hmm. in the in the siege mini, Kieran Gillen could not resist saying, "What time is it?" Like Ben oh. Grimm or whatever. Whereas, but why do you need? To, why do you need to resist that? Yeah, don't. You don't. Resist <laughs> yeah, it's always clobbering time. But it is always. Didn't do that. 
he did like, a, are you gonna, are you gonna like stand here? Or are you gonna stand up? And then like he stands up out of the. Yeah. I kind of like that it's clobbering time. The, recently in Immortal Hulk, it, when an issue ends where like you don't see who it is, but you see like the, you know, what a revolting development sort of thing. Right. And then it's, all right, Banner, you're a smart man. And then the last page is the thing and he goes, you know what time it is. I'm like, I was, it was such like a fist pumping. Like, the callback is so good. It's just yeah. like, it's like you need, like you get those like moments in comics and it pops you and you're like, that's it. Yeah. That's it. That's what I wanted. <laughs> no, I think you're right in that this is a lot of big moments. And I think with, with, there's a lot of like fairly valid critique of like, sort of like the way that sometimes Hickman's characters are a little strange or off compared to the way they normally are. But like, there are some, there are a lot of distilled moments in here where I'm like, boy, he gets that character. Mm-hmm. Like, no one before or since has made me care about Reed Richards as much as Jonathan Hickman yeah, does. I'll agree with that. He writes him as this incredibly flawed man who wants to both save the universe and try to be a good dad. And he's trying to figure out if he can do both at the same time. How do you feel about Reed? Because I know, I know Christy that you have, that, um, have some read, read, read opinions. I was trying to put those two words together. I couldn't do it. I mean, I feel like Reed is such an inconsistent character character. I know mm-hmm. Chris, you mentioned like, this is like the only time that you've cared about him. And yeah, this is the, the, F, the FF run that, that Hickman. Right. Wrote before right. This. And there have been so many moments where I've really just despised him um, and felt like he's really failed at all the things that you just talked about him wanting to do. Um, and that he he is such a such a flawed character. And I can appreciate that, especially in the context of his relationship with Doom. Looking at the two, they're not that different. No, they're definitely mm-hmm. not. It, I would say they're even more similar than like the maker and Reed. <laughs> you know, I think they are more similar. I think yeah. that's the that's the contrast. Like you see, like you see what makes the maker different from the Reed from the six one six, and then you contrast. You put Doom in the contrast, and you realize that like it, it at at a moment in time, like if it came down to it, Doom and six one six Reed would team up to take down the maker. Well, true. The, yeah, the maker does not necessarily like, he does not have that, like, that sort of end goal of what is, what, trying to do what is right for everyone. Mm-hmm. Whereas do, Doom and Reed to some extent do. And, and I love in this, this world where Doom has placed himself as God, he's given himself the thing that Reed has that he doesn't, which is that loving family, which is perhaps that all, all that separates Reed and Doom from being in totally opposite places. Mm-hmm. Right. And, the, and this, the FF run, which, which is a lot about that, like how his family like humanizes him mm-hmm. and how he is. Cause there's, there's a whole deal in that where there is an interdimensional council of reeds and every single one of them have abandoned their family for the greater good of the multiverse. And they mm-hmm. want this reed to do it too. And he has to like figure it out. Yeah, Sue is the Sue is Sue deserves better one. Yeah, and Sue is also the only thing that keeps Reed from being completely terrible. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah like Sue, yeah. Sue and his kids. Yeah, um, yeah, and and I, I would say Johnny, but that's probably not true. Ben, ben, to some extent, Ben's kind of a good pal. I love Ben because he's like he's like he's like kind of is Ben a himbo? No, he's not. He's not. He's not hot. I mean, what? Do you think ben speak for hot? yourself. Okay, Ben's a himbo. Whatever you want to do. <laughs> But there's beauty in monsters, Chris. <laughs> I, I I love Ben Grimm. He's he's one of my favorite characters. And 
if I met a person in real life who was like, you know who I hate out of all the Marvel characters the most? Benjamin Grimm. I'd be like, what? we can't, we can't do this. <laughs> what is, Leave. what is wrong with you? I, I, I get it if he's not your favorite, but like, hate? Yeah. Hate him? You can't. Back up. Yeah. I think the, the really cool thing uh, to me about stories and very, very like uh, over the past, like, uh, like seven or eight months, probably, have been very invested in the stories of people who are universally flawed, but they still have people surrounding them that care very deeply about them and will try and steer them in the right direction, no matter how how much it sucks to be in that position and whether or not this person realizes that they are doing these like doing these bad things and like if they do realize it like can they stop and do they deserve do they deserve that love that they're being given uh you know and so reflecting on secret wars and like i let me just be straight up i don't care about the fantastic four but this is probably the most i ever cared yeah boy they have in great sense and charlie you talking about those types of stories who wouldn't like those kind of stories because isn't that kind of how maybe i'm speaking from my own insecurities but don't we all kind of feel that way just yeah like, one, one hopes there are people who want these perfect characters who only do good yeah things all the time. But I, like, I think it's it's so important i think to understand that there are like you yourself as a person like have these problems and you can accept them and you can make them a part of who you are and you can move forward knowing that you have them. And I think the, 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 ver- the monstrous thing about it is like how you become a monstrous person. It's not that you are these things. It's that you don't, you refuse to realize you are and accept it and move forward. So what makes you a monster isn't the fact that you're flawed. What makes you a monster is that you refuse to take responsibility for those flaws. Yeah. Yeah. So we all, we all just want to be loved in, in spite of, and because of our flaws and just, just, just embrace that all. Nobody's perfect. I think that's why this makes like, like my definitive Marvel crossover. Cause like an early hallmark of Marvel heroes is that they were very flawed at a time where DC heroes were like these paragons of perfection. And even their flaws were like tiny. Like the Flash was always late because he was like fixing crimes. <laughs> yeah. And it was just it was kind of like quirky. But he he still like he did the literal exact right thing every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you if you grabbed a Superman comic, the same thing happened. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. it, like what well, and DC's gotten different since then, obviously. But Marvel started that way and Marvel has always been these like these like weirdo superheroes. And I feel like these these like flawed like people and i i like that that marvel has these these likable but flawed villains you know it's like the world of magneto and Mm -hmm. dr doom and what what it is funny did you notice that like all of the barons were like x-men characters Mm -hmm. (laughs) like all right apocalypse mr sinister and madeline Pryor. (laughs) but you could tell that hickman wanted to write x-men so bad so bad Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah (laughs) sinister like this like sinister in this um apocalypse is hanging out here madeline Pryor is hanging out here mm-hmm. like there's an entire sequence with like sinister apocalypse and madeline <laughs> yeah. yeah it's pretty good 
Like, it's a it's a lot. I really loved like because I also the thing about I, I use that I also love is I love when you make a good character bad, but you make them bad in interesting ways. Uh-huh. Like that they haven't like they they have somehow embraced a part of themselves that they have not in like the regular world. I really dug I really dug the Captain Marvel that was with Sinister. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, when she was like, "Let's fan. be bad." I'm like, "What is going on here?" But I, yeah. I kind of like it. Like, I love this. Yeah. <laughs> he also wants her to like punch him a bunch. It's a it's, it's a lot. It's definitely <laughs> a thing that he has going on. <laughs> yeah. Oh. All right. Well, we're getting to that time. That time that we need to turn to our favorite of places, Twitter. Uh, sure. Favorite. <laughs> Nowhere else we'd rather be. Right. Big that big blue app, love it. <laughs> it's got a bird. <laughs> that was false. That was false advertisement. They put a cute bird on it, and they're like, "Use it." All right, nothing will go wrong. <laughs> yes. It's time for Twitter questions. All right, our first question comes from. My favorite asker of podcast questions. Is it Asimov Fangirl? It is! Oh, it is Asimov yes. Fangirl. Hi, which meal would you offer an all-powerful being to befriend them slash save the universe? In this case, your pockets slash bag are big enough to maintain the meal integrity. This is, of course, referring to when Miles Morales had a hamburger that was in his pocket yeah. from, like, from the 1610, and he just never got rid of it. Three weeks. And Owen was like, I must, yeah, three weeks. I must have the hamburger. Yeah. What meal Owen was offer? real, real hungry. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. So when I think about like a meal that I want to eat when I'm really hungry, like starving. Yeah. yeah. Like you want to eat something like really starchy, carby, um, like maybe like a, just like a really big pizza. I was going to say I would make Owen Reese one of my newfound New York style pizzas. And that's also what I want to give him because Chris makes the best pizzas. I'm working on it. The best. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, imagine him giving like a big old slice of pepperoni. He'd love it. Right? He'd love that. I would have to say, you know, because for me, it's important that things are portable. Okay. So I I would just like... You just walk in with a little, with a, like a big old, like a little, like a, either big or small, depending. Probably big because he's a very hungry man. Um, of just like some general sense chicken, just like some Chinese takeout. Oh, that nice. bad boy going. Yeah, yeah. You've, it's already nicely in the takeout containers. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yep. Poor guy's upside down though. Why is he upside down? Because he wants to be. Yeah, that probably makes sense. <laughs> I do like that when you find out that he's hungry because there's like, there's like a, a million mouths of his that don't get to eat. Yes. But he's like copied on like all the versions of himself are copied yeah. on this one. Yeah. That's wild. <laughs> it's great. Okay. Our next question. I, I cannot say in its entirety because we are a family friendly podcast, oh. but at J underscore Partridge, I, I, I asks <laughs> Mr. Sinister saucy B or sauciest B. Uh, this, this was kind of like, I know a lot of people say that, that Kieran Gillen's, um, Sinister was kind of the birth of the modern Sinister. And it is. This is like the, 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 like, the, like, uh, off the wall Sinister though. This is, this is where he starts. I, I love it. It's yeah, great. Yeah, it's great. I'm going to go with Sauciest. Sauciest. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. I agree. It, it, it uh, this Sinister is the one that is the, 
is the one that's walking around now. And that's the reason for that. So same one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, at Daniel P. Grote asks in the inevitable secret wars two, two secret, two wars, what all powerful beings should Miles Morales teach to poop? Because <laughs> in, well, okay. So Christy, 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 this is important. Oh boy. In secret wars two, which also is in the eighties, but we haven't covered cause I don't want to. Um, <laughs> Spider-Man has to teach the Beyonder, who has become a human being, how to use the bathroom. Oh. And the Beyonder leaves the yeah. bathroom at one point and says, like, the act is consummated or something. It's like, yes. Weird. Okay. But anyway. It's uh, real weird. Yeah. But Miles Morales would be the second Spider-Man. So this is a clever question. What oh. all-powerful being would he teach? Is it, Miles though? Galactus. <laughs> I, I think he teaches eternity to poop. Oh, okay. But I like Galactus is pretty good too because he is he, yeah, he eats a those? lot of worlds. He does. Yeah. Where do those worlds go? I was never able to figure out why Galactus is on fire in this crossover. Uh, just because uh, they wanted cool. him to be. Looks really cool. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, Galactus is a good answer for this. Um, I'm also going to posit um, the Beyonder again. Just again, the Beyonder <laughs> forgot. Well, to be fair, there are no Beyonders because Doom killed all of them. Oh, oh good riddance. Yes, yeah. 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 They haven't even come back, I don't think. Good riddance. We're, we're, we're not the <laughs> All right. Uh, so our next question comes from at Robert Secundus. What parts of the multiverse would you save if you had God Doom powers? Does he mean like our multiverse or like the Marvel <laughs> multiverse? Because I would save like a Waffle House and a Bojangles because I've never had Bojangles and I could make it closer. Okay. So um, Chris's battle world is just a strip mall. <laughs> how do you yeah that, that's okay well let's yeah if we're talking like okay so i'm gonna i'm just gonna have to bl- think that rob somehow knows that there is a multiverse out there because <laughs> that seems very believable um so you know chris you're right on i'm saving i'm i am saving a waffle house i'm saving you gotta um, Good pizza, good. where I can yeah, get some good, good pizza. pizza. They're pretty. A lot of them are food related. I'm also saving New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm saving the company. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna collect all the all the good wrestling and put it in a. It's like I'm gonna take a bikini bottom and put it somewhere else. Yeah. It's like yeah, I'm gonna take all the good things and put it somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, my world is just full of. Um, my world is just for me. And everybody knows that that would be. So we don't need to get into it. Okay. So my world uh-huh. would be a, a patchwork quilt here of, yep. of favorite spots and things of mine that in between each of those squares, and it's going to be very symmetrical and very orderly because <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, but they're going to be botanical gardens in between oh, each I love one. that. Uh-huh. So, you know, we'll, we'll have Broadway and then we'll have a botanical garden mm-hmm. and, and then maybe we'll have like the, the Rocky Mountains and some nice skiing <laughs> oh, and I then like a botanical garden, garden. Like and then a Denny's parking lot, maybe with a Denny's as well. And then a botanical garden, just sandwiched in between all of them. Okay. <laughs> it's like the, um, it's, it's like, it's like the supernatural version of, of, um, the Garden of Eden. Would it just mm-hmm. shows you whatever you want to see or whatever you believe that might be? So for some people, it was a botanical garden. Um, <laughs> but no, I like that. You, we planned this one out. I'm just like, I'd love to eat and watch boys. <laughs> yeah, mine would be mostly restaurant based. And then I'm like, would I want like banks? No. <laughs> I am shocked you didn't say like all the UNESCO sites. 
Because you talked oh, about wanting to go to those. It would have to be all the UNESCO sites. That would be so cool. I did. I do always want. I did always want to ride on a palanquin. So, like in the world <laughs> where I am God, God Emperor, I will have all the boys in my wrestling boy box carry me around on a palanquin. <laughs> a palanquin. Yeah, that's fine. I love this. I love our. I, I love our battle worlds. <laughs> Please pro. Oh, this is from at uh, Miadra Jim. Please provide your battle casserole recipe. Mine just never comes out properly. Uh, well, first you need a bag of frozen tater tots. Oh, oh yes. And you also need to add the, the, the tater tots to a mixture of ground beef that you've browned in a pan and cream of mushroom soup. And you do the cream of mushroom on bottom, and then you do the tater tots, and then you sprinkle on top of that some cheddar cheese. If you can grate your own cheddar cheese, it will be a lot. It will be a lot more cohesive because bags of pre-shredded cheddar cheese are covered in potato starch, mm-hmm. so they don't stick together. But this also means that when they melt in an oven, they don't melt as well as they could if they were pre if they were shredded yourself. So I would say buy a block of cheddar, and before you need to shred it, even though cheddar is a pretty hearty cheese, so you probably don't need to do it for too long. Maybe put it in the freezer for like a, just a few minutes to get kind of a nice mm-hmm. solid cheese. So grate that on top of your battle casserole mixture. Set it for, I don't know, like what, 325? No, no. sweetheart, no. At no? least 350 if you're melting cheese. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. 350, 25 minutes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, and if you don't want to be a total Neanderthal about it, you're going to put some onions, maybe a little bit of garlic in the pan when you brown the meat. Uh, make sure you sweat those real nice. You uh-huh. want them translucent before you transfer over. Also, of course, season liberally with salt and pepper. We're, we're not bland here. And uh, a little, red, bit, little bit of cayenne or a little cayenne bit of red, red pepper, pepper flakes. flakes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our red pepper flakes are homemade and home dried. So if we crush them, they would be cayenne. Oh, this is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, we make our own red pepper flakes, Charlie. Wow. I, I, what we do is uh, um, when at the end of the season, when our peppers are ripe, because they, they all get red when they're ripe, we just throw them in the oven. Like we, we cut them in half and everything and just throw them in the oven for like four hours on like 150 and they just dry out. And then I throw them in the food processor. <laughs> Jim did not know what he would, he was asking for, or maybe, maybe they really did. I don't know. Uh, you know, I was going to say as for casseroles, I'm, I'm not a big casserole person, mm-hmm. but I can be swayed for two things. One, cheesy potatoes. Delicious. Mm-hmm. Two. A good breakfast casserole. Also delicious. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Breakfast mm-hmm. casserole is good. I make now, frittatas, yeah. which are not unlike a breakfast casserole. I was going to say, is, is a frittata really different than a breakfast casserole? No, I mean, a breakfast casserole's binder is eggs, so... Correct. Really. I would say the frittata can get... in my. I like my, I like my omelet-like structure um, mm-hmm. to be a brown, like to be a little crisp. So I like the frittata like mm-hmm. situation going on. Um, so the breakfast casserole sometimes what you get is if you if you don't get it just right, like it can be a little goopy, um, which I'm not a fan of. So I I would kind of go the frittata route too. But making a like a like a French toast casserole, like a French toast bake, oh. is basically just like putting like all the good things for like a bread pudding in uh-huh. in the. In French toast in yes. a casserole dish and baking it, and I did made it for Christmas this, uh, last year. It was delicious. I, I have made a few very good baked French toast, but it is it it's so much like this is it is it is a treat every it time. Is. But it, it it's got to be a treat because it is just so much. It's so much, it's so good. Oh, last time I made it, I made it with French bread that Chris made. 
Was it French bread that I made? You didn't make it with the with the challah, right? Oh. I made you French toast with the challah, but I think I just made normal Right. No, 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 no. I made it with the French bread that you made. Yeah, it was good. Oh, mm-hmm. man, Chris, when I come see when I come over, can you make like French toast? But like my best my favorite French toast I've ever had anywhere was challah French toast, but it was mm-hmm. stuffed with brie and had um like a like a berry syrup on it. The berry syrup's easy. I would need to figure out how to stuff a French toast with brie. But it can't be that hard. Uh, Done. <laughs> but yeah, I can make I can make challah. It's not it's not a big deal. Delicious. I can do I can do a I can do a tri braid. I haven't worked on the penta braid yet. Oh, I'm so hungry. Let's <laughs> let's go to the next question. <laughs> At M Turetsky asks, is Battle World just fancy Catan? <laughs> it kind of is. Which baron or baroness has the most sheep? Or wood? Sinister. <laughs> He's got the most sheep. Yeah. Sinister keeps most things, I feel. Like, no, no one's really going to bar Sinister, I feel. <laughs> I love I love this analogy. <laughs> it's kind of fancy Catan. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a good question. What would Maddie have the most of? It's wood, sheep, stone. Is that it? Is it just three? I don't remember. It's been so long. It, yeah, it has been a while. I, I, I'm, I'm bad here. Uh, I don't know. Maddie's got to have a monopoly on something. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Demon. Spandex. <laughs> Spandex. Uh, hot people. Hot people. Yeah. Maddie's got the palanquin. I can tell you that already. Mm-hmm. Lo- absolutely, she does. Yeah. <laughs> Our next question comes from at Joshua F. Tribble, who asks, what DC crossover do you wish Marvel had borrowed for a mini in Battle Worlds? Love your podcast. A, thank you. B, <laughs> what DC crossover do you wish Marvel had borrowed for one of the minis? Um, out of the ones we've we've had. It's just okay, zero hour so- over and over and over again. <laughs> What's been my favorite? I um we haven't covered this one on the podcast, but I would say DC one million, which I think is a fun crossover with with future future Justice Leagues. I think that's I like it. I don't I don't know I don't know DC that much. Um, I can I ask this as someone who knows nothing really about DC? Um, is there a crossover that's got Batman Beyond in it? Yeah, I think so, and I'm trying to remember the name of it. It's I, I, I it's notoriously not good. Oh, damn, Future's damn. <laughs> dang End, it. I think is what it's called. Someone's going to be like, no, Chris, Future's End is great. But well, I like Batman Beyond Batman a lot. Beyond. Yeah. Batman Beyond can be on a battle. Yes, I agree, because that's my favorite Batman. Uh, what was the DC crossover where they were in that, that alternate universe where they were all bad? What was that one? Where one like They were all like, it was, it was dark. It was the, what was the Flash? What? Flashpoint? Flashpoint. Oh. Uh, okay. Now, hear me out. Sure. So, <laughs> Flashpoint, like, we're, al- we're already all, like, well, sure, yeah. Yeah. But we have this kind of weird, like, imagine them as, as all barons that are, like, totally, okay, like, into, into Doom and their own little conflicts and spats in between each other. And I think if you were going to find one to, like, mesh into this existing structure that that could be kind of a fun way to do it and make it make it better than what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm in. Yes. Okay. I had a good answer. Great job. <laughs> I get two stickers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, our next question comes from at forest underscore txt. God Emperor is already taken. What's your title? The gosh darn best. <laughs> <laughs> that would totally be your title. Um, okay. This Man, is hard. This is really hard. I... I'm just going to be the czar of boys. 
<laughs> I love that. Uh, oh, I don't. Christy, what if you're just the director? Oh, that would be really That's good. That's good. That's oh, so good. I know. I was going to aim for something more silly, but that's actually very, like, fitting for, for me. Mm-hmm. I like it. You know, and then when I when I put people to death, it's called the director's cut. Oh! <laughs> uh, I already got this lined up. <laughs> Gosh, what a weird day to talk about director's cuts. <laughs> But um, we're recording this on the day that a, a certain director's cut of a of a DC movie came out. Yeah, gonna cut you mentioning that. <laughs> <laughs> Our last question comes from at Big Dad Energy, who asks, "What should have come over to the six one six from the event that didn't?" And also, remember when Tom Bravort wanted to change the six one six prime, and literally no one paid attention to him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Tom, Tom Braver, I think, wanted to call it just like Earth Prime or something, he did. right? He did. And everybody's like, no. And they just didn't do it. Uh, it was funny. Um, what should have come over to the 616 that didn't? I mean, does he mean from like the, like the Ultimate the Universe? The Ultimate Universe? That's the only I mean, I really think we kind of dropped it. everything we didn't need. Yeah, like Miles came over. I, I think more of a lot of like Miles' cool stuff kind of got lost in the wayside i think miles's friends could have come over like anything maybe like anything miles adjacent so like yeah i would say maybe like spider like spider woman from the 610 um oh yes that's uh the jessica drew who's the female clone of peter parker correct yeah she's very um just i think i think any miles adjacent stuff that was cool could have come over yeah i i think that's it miles is really like the 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 most successful ultimate yeah. universe property. You took what you needed. Place. Like, yeah. uh, like nobody needed ultimate X-Men. Like nobody needed that. We got nobody ultimate needed... cap and it was bad. Yeah, it was bad. He was the bad cap in secret empire. Ooh. Cop. Wait, what? Wasn't he the bad cap in secret empire? Or was it just, oh, that just a cap that... that was like him? It, it was, it was a cap that was like him, I think. Oh, okay. And you know what? Hey, Chris, you just okay. made secret empire better. By, by, by giving it a, a better idea that would have made more sense. <laughs> I haven't even read Secret Empire. If people want us to cover it on the cross or on the podcast, they will probably have to request it. I would end the podcast before covering it. <laughs> All right, and then our final question comes from at Drew underscore Gy. Hmm, you can pick which battle were. Or, oh, okay. So two questions here we can choose to answer. Okay. Which battle world were you most excited or psyched to see included? Or is there a Marvel event universe that you wish had made it? X-Men 92 is the one I was the most excited about, and it was a pretty good crossover. It definitely did not care that it was in Secret Wars. It just kind of had to be. It was telling <laughs> mm-hmm. its own story. I, I didn't read enough or any of these aside from Siege, which you were like, you have to read. And uh, I I would say i was very excited for it because it was very gay it was uh, that is a lot of that's that happened in a lot of these crossovers it did um, i love that hercules got a boyfriend in one of them so, oh, somebody was dating namor in one of them um pietro yes yes the, all Chrissy, these things happen and think they could just like, do it yeah i think you'd like christy i think you'd really like the inferno mini um i have my recommendation is, to you yeah it's good uh it's written by dennis helpless and it was Maddie never, or Maddie was never beaten. Oh. But Ilyana is like trapped in the inferno. And like every however many years, I think, they try to go in and save her. Oh, 
Because Ilyana was also in the siege. Well, and it might have been her, but also there's like a million alternates in Battle World. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. That I mean, that makes sense. There's like all the yes. Thors, all the Hulks. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Got it. Got it. Uh, Charlie, do you have an answer to this one? Or what? Um, I'm having trouble finding something that wasn't already done because I I pretty much got catered to like for 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 stuff I wanted except for like specifics. I think we I think we covered it. I think the ones that popped out at me were the ones I wasn't necessarily expecting. I could have done without Civil War. <laughs> the Civil uh, War one was in the Old West, and it was like yeah. It was weird. It was weird. I cannot uh-huh. remember which event it was that we were covering that I accidentally started reading the Secret Wars, like, mini of... Civil War. Was it Civil War? Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Incredible. <laughs> the The mini might be better than the original, but... It may be, and you know what? It, it, it could potentially be, but I think... Yeah, I think... I think we kind of got everything yeah, we needed. Like, they did an Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. Which I liked that one. It was about a family becoming Novas in like a post-apocalyptic thing. That was pretty mm-hmm. cool. There were a lot of like extra ones too. Like they'd done almost near, like they did like, there was one for like House of M. There was one for Civil War. There was one for, was there a World War Hulk one? I don't yes. know. Yeah. There was. Or, or was there, or Planet Hulk? It was one of those. There was Siege. There was, there was not Secret Invasion. Maybe they could have done that, but I still think Secret Invasion was slightly ill-advised. In in general, yeah, yeah. I, I do feel like maybe if you wanted to do something, uh, like, we could have definitely gotten, we could have definitely not revisited Extinction Agenda. Maybe mm-hmm. we could have vis- instead invisi- visited um, Executioner Song. Yeah, that's Extinction Agenda. Executioner Song would have ruled. But at, that was at the time where, like, the, the prevailing opinion was Executioner Song is bad. And at, then I, like... Then we were all like, oh, no, Executioner's Song, actually pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. Like, actually, this rules. I love Executioner's Song. We should cover that. That is, that, I, We've not covered that. I would like to cover Executioner's Song. Could have been my choice, but I did this. Oh, man. I do love Execu- Executioner's Song. It's so 90s, but it's like it's like everything I love about the 90s. Oh, man, they definitely should have done an Executioner's Song. Good pick, Charlie. Good pick. No problem. <laughs> all right. All right. Are, we, are we ready to get into some accolades? Yeah, I think so. Accolades. All right. So starting out, Chris, Christopher, mm-hmm. what is your, your best line? My goodness, you use my full name. You know, I felt it in the moment I went with it. Mine was um after the the ma- the maestro who is this like in in he's like a character who's like an like a future Hulk who's evil, was was on top of a helicarrier. And he was like proclaiming he was going to take over. And then suddenly like, like Ben Grimm's head pops up over the helicarrier and the maestro like demands to know like what's going on. And he goes, well, pal, clearly I'm a giant orange guy on his way to settle some old scores and you look like something in my way. And he just like <laughs> hits the helicarrier. It's so good. That is great. Mine is probably my shortest best line ever. I don't think I could get much shorter than this. My best line is I. I just love uh, all of the Hulks in unison saying smash. <laughs> oh, smash. Yeah. <laughs> I imagined it like what were those uh, annoying seagulls that say mine and I can't even remember. Finding Nemo. Finding, Finding Nemo. Nemo. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The seagull. But like Hulk <laughs> with the smash. 
Smash. Smash. Exactly that. Smash. <laughs> so that one was my best line. That's a pretty good. One. <laughs> Charlie, do you have accolades for us, or are you just along for the ride? Oh, I have an accolade for you. Delightful. Yes. So my favorite line is actually from Thanos. And it is that moment where he is talking to Ben Grimm, who is the wall or the, the shield. And he says, Doom convinced you to live on your knees every day of this life. He's beaten you as you lie there. This is a painful, heartless truth. And it begs one question. Are you just going to die here? Or are you going to stand? It's really good. <laughs> yeah. I... <laughs> I I can't care about Thanos right now, but the, I did care about Thanos like at this point in time. Right. <laughs> when I read this, I when I read this, so this would have been 2015. Mm-hmm. Fa- Infinity War, Infinity War had not come out. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't know if I thought that Thanos was going to be like a popular culture character at this point. No. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew he was going to pop up, but I think I thought by the time he finally popped up, Avengers would be less popular. Oh. <laughs> and people wouldn't care about the movies. <laughs> Boy, am I silly! What a world you're living in. Wow. <laughs> also, it's like it's def it's it's defo like Thanos like uh, cutting a promo on someone who needs like some encouragement. Yeah. I I was going to say the same thing. I was like Charlie. I'm not at all surprised because that has real promo energy. <sighs> it's really good. I love Thanos in this. <laughs> all right. What about everybody's greatest heroes? My greatest hero is T'Challa because uh, he had that moment where he wielded the Infinity Gauntlet, which is supposed to be a very hard thing for you to wield, to like turn into a god for a little bit to fight Doctor Doom, just so Reed can do something as a distraction mm-hmm. to try to convince Owen to like. I yeah. actually feel like Reed's job was it was pretty easy until Doom showed up, and that was like. That was supposed to be the way it was. Like, he was supposed to have the easy job, and T'Challa was supposed to have the hard job. And I just love that he just kind of did it. He's like, well, yeah, I'll wield the Infinity Gauntlet. (laughs) Right. He's awesome. Right. T'Challa is like, someone I think once described him as if he was like, if if it was like, if Batman ruled a country. Oh, I like And was better. And was better. Was better. (laughs) (laughs) I gave my greatest hero to Owen Reese. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's he's a good boy. He does kind of solve everything. Right. I, I mean, he he seems like he's just gotten into this situation that he, he was trying to do the best thing, the right thing. And, like, he takes out the maker. I, I have By turning that... him into like, into, like, weird cartoon, like, meat slabs. Mm-hmm. Yep. He just, he just slices it. He bread slices <laughs> the maker. It could have been way gruesomer, and I like that it wasn't, because yeah. that would have been nasty. Uh and you know he he sides with Reed, and he, I mean without without him, I I think I think the multiverse and everything just would have been destroyed from the from the go, right? Yeah, Doom got his power from from Owen Reese's so, like ability to get all the Beyonder power. Yeah, and he never got enough to eat, so he he has some tough times. My greatest hero, right there. Do you like doing all this while hungry? Yeah, can you imagine <laughs> on an, a good choice <laughs> empty on an stomach? empty stomach? <laughs> Christy, you could never. I couldn't. Charlie, what about your greatest hero? I have to uh, side with Chris, and I think T'Challa's my greatest hero yeah. as well. All right, we He's got a daily so... double. Hit it, Matt D. Wilson. He's just so cool in this. He is. I, I said, there's a reason I remember, like, out of everything, 
the thing that, like, ping, pinged me in my brain when I was rereading was that, like, T'Challa grabbing the Infinity Gauntlet, because I thought it was such a striking picture. I know that I feel like the Infinity Gauntlet has been slightly used to death, but... Yeah. Uh, it right. was really cool. It was so here. cool at the time. It hadn't yeah. been picked up in a while. And, and see, me reading this after seeing all of those films and everything, I was just like, okay, the Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> it's the Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> <laughs> When I came up in comics, the Infinity Gauntlet, like, nobody owned it. Everybody owned the individual gems. Uh-huh. And they treated them like they were, like, these horrifying weapons of mass destruction that had to be, like, kept apart. Mm. And so, like, the, like when I, the, the first thing I read of them was the, the Illuminati finding all of them and deciding they need to keep them separate. Mm-hmm. And then, like, later I learned that at some point somebody had all of them on a glove, and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I got a good intro. Yeah. You're not allowed to do that. All right. So how many of you guys had a Ben Grimm standing up as your coolest moment? Is it, is it just me? No, that's it. It's the one. Yeah. It's that. Yeah. It's so cool. (laughs) All of us. It's such an issue ender too. It is. Oh. Right. Okay. Well, daily, daily triple. We don't have anything for that. (laughs) Okay. What about our Crusher Creel award for silly villainy? Um, mine is going to be the bit where they talk about in the captions, like, but who was the prophet? And then the prophet whips off his mask and goes, it's me, you idiots, Maximus. <laughs> yes. I just love Answering that. the call of yeah. the narration. Of the narration, which is like some <laughs> Chris Claremont stuff. That's some so. big, ca- that's, uh, taking off your helmet, or being a, trying to be a villain and taking off your helmet and just yelling something very cartoony, <laughs> big Kenny Omega energy. That's so good. Uh, and Maximus does like nothing else. Someone like kicks I was him like, a bunch. I, I don't. I don't really know who this guy is. Okay, it's a uh, Black Bolt's brother. Yes, he, of the Inhumans. He is basically like the like like the Grima worm tongue of the Inhumans. He's like he's like the Ew. he's like Black Bolt's Loki. Yeah, he is like Black Bolt's Loki. Okay. I think he's I think he's less charming generally. He but, he's ugly. But none of the Inhumans are charming. I don't know. <laughs> Inhumans are getting a big push around this time. <laughs> They sure were. They sure were. So they, they, they had to like put, God, yeah, this was, this was an X-Men low period and a, a humans high period. All right, Charlie, who, uh, did you give your Crusher Creel award for silly villainy to? Listen, I'm not a big fan of Franklin in this. <laughs> He's kind of a little murder child. He's a little murder child because he, he knows his father is God. So like the moment here where he's like, on Galactus and like fighting Ben Graham and I'm just like I'm a little jerk. That's I like but he's also a child so that's why it's silly. So that was that was the moment for me. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I don't like Franklin in this. And I I'm like a big big fan of Franklin Richards as a character. I I don't know. I I I feel, that's just Franklin in this situation. I don't think you can blame him or hold him accountable for any of No, absolutely no, not. I'm not like I don't have a long term hate for him. I just no. don't like reading him. He's in just the story. a little he's being a little jerk. He just needs a timeout. <laughs> <laughs> I just I do kinda like that he and Galactus like Franklin just Galactus is his babysitter. Yeah. Actually or like Galactus is like his Hobbes. Like in a like a Calvin and Hobbes sort of scenario. I love that. Someone needs to draw little Franklin Richards as Calvin and Galactus as like Hobbs and like the little like like a Galactus doll. Oh my god! Somebody get on it! I would die. I need to commission that. Yeah, that would would rule. Uh 
<laughs> well, my Crusher Creel Award for silly, silly Villainy went to Sinister um, in his moment of betrayal. Uh, and Madeline Pryor is asking him why. And he he says, oh, come now, Baroness. I don't have a heart at all. As for why we attacked you, betrayal is the good Captain Marvel shtick. I have much better reasons. I, or like, I just can't stand that tacky outfit you're wearing. Yeah. Great moment. It was, he says that as he kicks her in the face, which I'm not a fan of, but, uh, that the line is just very silly. Yeah. We don't need to, we don't need to kick Maddie in the face while she's down. <laughs> no. It's not nice. It's not nice. Not nice, Sinister. This is why, if the roles were reversed, if the roles were reversed, however, now we're talking. Oh, that would be an even better moment. She kicked him in the face? Yeah, and and told him, yes. Oh, man. Now I don't even like that moment anymore because I'm just envisioning the opposite, and it's great. My apologies. (laughs) Just to make things better. Thank you. This is just in my head now, and this is the way I will remember it. Always. (laughs) Thank you for that. Our next accolade is actually the one that Charlie gave us, assigned us to do forever and ever. And it is our Key of C Award. Right. Here we take a moment from the event and think about how it could be imagined as a musical. What would be the best musical moment? I'm really excited about mine. Okay. It, you- it's, 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 it's high concept number here. Go off. I'm excited. Okay. So Sue. And Valeria. Valeria has, like, especially in this latter half, the, it, basically the investigation of Doom, the investigation of her father, father, where she's, she's learning the truth. And Sue, she's spinning this, she's telling this tale to Franklin. And I imagine, even though these moments with Valeria happen over a long period of time in a musical, a lot of this would probably happen in one sequence. And so her, discovery her investigations kind of start to happen and she goes you know off stage as she's learning these things and we start to hear this story from sue uh and this 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 sung story and the, this mythos of the the world and as sue's finishing that it's almost like a repetition of this chorus as valeria valeria's um like almost like a really fast-paced uh singing dialogue uh, over like questioning her her father and questioning what's happened over like this sweet singing about how wonderful doom is and how doom mm. made the world and just this i love that this, that is very high concept Christy. that's a magical stage direction i'm imagining yeah. the director <laughs> yeah i don't know somebody somebody you pay me to make comics musicals <laughs> You, it could be like Spider-Man, turn off the dark. <laughs> yep. Nobody's going to yes, get hurt. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, Charlie, what's your key of C? Um, actually, it would be the when Doom and Reed are in the white space. Mm-hmm. But it would be, it would culminate what it would do. Want to hear my wild idea? It would culminate, this musical number would culminate in them actually confessing that they're in love with one another. <laughs> <laughs> and then they realize that they've broken this this whole thing is broken but mm. perhaps together they can fix it mine was was still that number but i envisioned it very much as a what, what's the what's the number from les mis is it called the confrontation with the mm-hmm. valjean yeah, yeah, yeah. at last yeah kind of that 
We see each other. Damn, that's <laughs> I gotta stop. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, all right. So next up we have, I will go down with this ship. This is who you ship in this, but it doesn't have to be romantic. It's just uh, talking about fun relationships you liked. Uh, so my I will go down with this ship is Reed and Doom. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I And, you know, if it were romantic at some point, sure. But I I just <laughs> feel like they're better with each other, at least in ter- in, in narrative terms. Okay. <laughs> Maybe a controversial ship. <laughs> Uh, my ship is a friendship, and I think the two Spider-Men get some really fun moments in this. Some real mentor-mentee oh, yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they get the, the bit, the epilogue at the end. Yeah. Where it's like, what'd you tell your, did you just tell your parents that you had, yeah, I told, told my mom I just had after school stuff. You want to go beat up some study. bad guys? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I kind of like it, I like it more as, as like the movies have come out. The elder and younger Spider-Man, mm-hmm. like, their the mentor mentee ship. I think it's there's good. a lot of there was big into the Spider Verse Peter Miles energy in this. Especially yeah, the bit with the hamburger. Oh my yeah. gosh! Yeah, yeah. Charlie, what is your ship that you would go down with? I really loved uh, 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 Abigail and the and the Scott Summers that that she was with in the Siege Mini. Oh, oh see, yeah. I didn't pull. I mean. If we were pulling from the mini, you would have picked Leah and Eliana, probably. Maybe, maybe. But yes, I'll do. I, I, I'll do you one. I'll do. I'll do you one in regards to um, the actual mm-hmm. stuff. But, but I do. Pro- I do love the Abigail Scott Summer, whatever Scott Summers that was. One uh, of them. One of them. Endless. It, it, it was good. That yeah. was a good ship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say if it's got if it's got to be from the actual mini, I'm I'm. I, I'd be, I would be thoughtless if I did not also select Reed and Dr. Do. Is, I, I don't know if we'll give that the full daily double treatment, but thank you. <laughs> thank you, Charlie. Mm-hmm. All right. And our final accolade is the goodest hit, which is kind of what it sounds like. What is the best, what is the best hit? The best, the best smash, the best boom. In this case, it's, for me, it's kind of the best pull. It is when Doom reaches inside Thanos and rips out his skeleton. Yeah. Uh, that was mine, too. <laughs> Charlie, what about you? That's it. All right. All right. Another one. We can all agree. The bit where he's like, that se- it just says, like, what? That seems untrue. And <laughs> just, like, yeah. has his skull. The only thing that's missing is, like, fatality. It was gnarly. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> the goodest of hits. Yeah. Yes. Oh, thank you so much, Charlie, for joining us on this episode and for for picking it because now I have finally read Chris's favorite. Yeah, crossover. This, is, this is my favorite Marvel crossover. Mm-hmm. Not my favorite crossover. My favorite <laughs> crossover is a DC crossover. I know we've been lied to. Have we covered it? No. What? Why haven't we covered it? I I've hated so many of the DC crossovers. Why haven't we covered your favorite? I don't know if this one would convince you, but oh. also uh, I've always felt like it would make a really good finale if we ever ended the podcast. Oh, so you're saving it? It's in your back pocket. Yeah, it's okay. In my okay. Back pocket. If don't someone even... re- if someone requested it, I would. I, yeah, we would do don't it. don't say it though. Don't spoil. I won't. Okay. Chris just did a really acute thing with his like grabbing my hand there Aww. in uh, the the. This promise. <laughs> I'll, ne- I'll never tell you, unless I accidentally do. I'll never tell. So, yeah, so very romantic. Thank you. 
But Charlie, once again, thank you. And if people on the internet want to find you uh, and you want to be found, where where can they find you in your work? Hmm. So if you would like to uh, purvey my mighty works, I guess, um, you can find me on Twitter at Genetic Ghost, where I am uh, always on the verge of a mental collapse thinking about the elite. Um, but you can read about that if you want. Um, I do a lot of work. Um, you do. Yeah, I do a lot of work at uh, <laughs> CXF. I do. Um, I edit there. I uh, started a wrestling, weekly wrestling roundup column. I work on Excalibur there. I do a lot of work there, but I also started writing um, for another outlet called Wrestle In, um, where they do um, great wrestling features every week. And I just wrote something today. So you can pop on over there and check it out if you want. I also yeah. do a podcast with my partner, Mikey, about wrestling stories. We've, we've been working on the last section of uh, Kenny Omega and Okada's epic rivalry for a long while now. So look forward to that <laughs> happening at some point in time. But I do a lot of things. All good things. All good things. Yeah, Thank a you. lot of editing. So much editing, Charlie. Editing is a lot, um, but I I love breathing life into stuff, um, especially everything that I'm working on recently. So um, I like to do it a lot. It's a lot funner than my normal day job. <laughs> yeah, imagine if we could make like real money editing. Right? That and like great. you could just dedicate your time to that <sighs> instead of worrying about juggling both. What a oh, world. Boy, would be would be something. <laughs> If you want to get us a little closer to that that goal, readers of <laughs> of living living the dream, I mean that like baby, the tiniest like inch closer, <laughs> uh, you can uh, check out our Patreon or Kofi in the show notes. Um, and if you can't support us monetarily, what else? What else can they do, Chris? They can go give us five star reviews on Facebook and iTunes or a podcatcher of their choice. If we see those five star reviews, uh, we usually check iTunes, occasionally Facebook. Then we will shout you out on the show and read your review. Um, we also, if you talk about us on Twitter, you know, a lot of people will have those threads where someone goes, "What's your favorite comic podcast?" We love being featured um, mm-hmm. for those. We know that our social media presence is. is Somewhat lacking because it takes a lot of time. <laughs> uh, as as uh, social media as the podcast, as the podcast, yeah. Us on social media, it, we're, we're, on we're not lacking in, in in presence. True. But if you are going to follow us on social media, uh, we are on Facebook and Twitter at Chris's Pod. Um, you can also find each of our individual accounts on Twitter there through the the podcast as well, and you can find all sorts of our writing and work at uh, comicsxf.com. If you need to email us, we're Chris is on infinite earths at gmail.com as well. We don't get those a lot, but somebody once sent us like this really like nice long one where they wanted to just talk about something in the episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're very polite. In this day and age, like email is like the letter of the time. It is basically. <laughs> and until next time readers slay your enemies and all you desire shall be yours. <laughs>